to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I am joined by two guys who maybe have gotten drunk for eight hockey games in a row before they were 21. What's up, Chuck and Gene? <laughs> uh, I don't know if it was in a row, but I certainly definitely got drunk for eight hockey games before I was 21. Uh, this is Chuck Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. And I'm Gene Zilek. You can find me at Producer Gene. And I specifically remember, I don't know if we were all together, but there was a certain playoff game that went like six overtimes, nine overtimes. Maybe it was 12 overtimes. It <laughs> felt like eight games in a row. <laughs> it went five overtimes. And I don't, I don't think we were texting one another. I don't think that was a thing at the time, but I think there were calls and in, uh, intermission. Just to check in and make certain everybody was still up. I don't know if we started watching that game together, but I know I ended up watching it by myself. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's what ended up happening. Is it just got too late and we all did, like departed to our certain corners of the world during one of those over, uh, ex, uh, intermissions. Yeah. Um, guys, we have to start off with like trade mania that happened this week. Oh my god, did it happen this week? I couldn't keep up. It was. <laughs> the 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 Potadelphia Twitter feed really fell on its face because you know um, the people who run it actually do have to do their jobs <laughs> and uh, like all right we got something brewing and then wait who do we pick up who's this guy you know and what's going on Sixers <laughs> Phillies late in the week Flyers it was you know if. If you want to study contract law and and become a future GM, man, this was your week. I I was getting texts, you know, throughout the day, you know, ESPN alerts, Twitter was going crazy, and I'm in like work meetings, and I'm trying <laughs> to keep up with all this stuff, and people are asking me like, "So, Dave, do you think we could support that?" And I'm like, "Absolutely not. I have no idea. We just traded Markel Fultz. <laughs> I can't concentrate on anything." And Fultz was the big one too. That was what right before the end of the deadline. Like, yeah, it was like came it down at like ten of three, right? and it, yeah. I think it happened at two thirty. But like, I think it started to hit the airwaves like at ten of three, and uh, yeah, that was kind of well, like. Want to start? Oh, let's by start the way, Fultz. let's just start with Markel Fultz because it's not so much what we got as what we were finally relieved of. Right? I mean, are we just happy that the long two-year journey is over? Yeah, I wish him well. You know, I hope that his, you know, mysterious injury is real and that he, you know, rehabs it and becomes an effective player. TOS? TOS. Lost his ass out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Have you been sitting on that one for like five days? Um, no, not really, but <laughs> but no, no, I yeah, just there's so many good things going on with this team. You know, why why have this distraction? Why have this disappointment around? Let's hope, you know, for his sake he gets a bit of a career, but not too much of one. So yeah, see ya. See ya. We're yeah. we got a good thing going and you're not a part of it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, do, so do we? All right, do you guys think he'll ever be a consistent, effective starter in the NBA? 
I don't know. I, I was kind of a non-believer in the injury until very seriously until we talked to Dr. Hack, and he kind of laid out what that injury was. I, I did a little, a little more reading on it myself, and it does seem like he may have a legitimate problem, a, a legitimate physical issue. I think that the real problem started to arise or the red flags started to go up with me when all of a sudden, you know, this is the number one draft pick. He's coming in and he's he's tinkering with his shot before he's even gotten onto the court. Um, I think the the difference between this and some other athletes we've been anxious to kind of move on from in, in Philadelphia is that I, I genuinely think that Markel was kind of a good guy, uh, maybe a little immature, but there was no indication that his teammates didn't like him, that the administration, you know, the front office didn't like him. So that's a little bit different than what we're used to as far as, like, get these people out of here. I think mm-hmm. the problem was this was kind of like that last holdover and maybe, like, the defining moment of the Coangelo era. And the Coangelo era, I think, other than maybe, I guess, Ben Simmons, which was about as idiot-proof as you can get, um, at least it's looking like that now, the Colangelo era is going to be marked by whatever Markel Fultz becomes, or what, what you know, or how this has developed on us. And and the Colangelo era, to me, just it, it seems like it was a, a major speed bump on did our. Colangelo, on the, did Colangelo draft Ben Simmons? I think he actually drafted Ben Simmons. Like I think that, but it was one of those things where I don't think he was in charge for very long. I, I think that it was everything that was set up by Hinky that allowed us to be in the position that we were to get him and Colangelo just pulled the trigger. Would you say Colangelo's best move in his tenure here was giving JJ Redick a massive one-year deal? And everything else he did was terrible. I, it's not bad. I, th- I think that he probably had a couple other minor. I think it looks like he traded Nerland's Noel, which I think looks like probably we got nothing. High- we, he traded him too late. He did trade him too late, but he also hasn't become anything. Oh, we're definitely going to trade one of them this offseason. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and o- Okafor was also one of those things. It was another case if he held on to him for too long. At least in this case, you're you're not going to criticize Elton Brand for having held on to him too long. So if Mark Alfolds does become something, you know, bad on us. But I don't think that it's in the timeline for us. If From everything that I'm seeing now, it seems like our time is now. We, we are... We're trying to to strike while the Eastern Conference iron is hot, and maybe before LeBron puts together another super team out west that we're going to have to be dealing with. Uh, you know, so his timeline, Markel, we don't have we don't have that ten million dollars next year to, to fool around with. We don't have we don't, we, we don't have time to wait for Markel to figure his his stuff out. You know, maybe Orlando can sit on it or whatever. And I wouldn't be surprised if Markel Fultz doesn't bounce around for a while, a la Evan Turner. You know, Evan Turner, we traded him to Boston, and, I, you know, then he kind of meandered his way out west. I think that that's a pretty good, you know, version of what Markel Fultz might be. He might be, his ceiling now might be Evan Turner. Uh, Yeah, I mean, Markel, you know, Live your best life, um, and we're gonna we're gonna do the same here. The thing that I love about this season, and particularly this trade deadline, is what Elton Brand has been able to do is essentially snuff out. Like Colangelo was never able to shake Hink, the, the Hinky shadow that looms over this organization, and I think what Brand has done is said like. Like, boom, this is my team now. Like, I I cashed in all these assets. I got valuable pieces. We're in win-now mode, and we plan to keep this core 
uh, for the next four years. Um, and it's totally Elton Brand's team. I'm not, you know, there's the, the hinky died for our sins stuff. I mean, all that is over. Like, there's no trust the process chance any longer. It's like a whole new, it's like we've moved on from that chat. We've turned the page. It's like a whole new atmosphere now. But I, I think I, I also agree with when you ask, you know, in press conferences, you, you'll you'll see reporters ask Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons, you know, is the process over? And they always give that this same answer. And I, you know, it doesn't feel like a cliche to them. They always say the the process will never end. For them, they always feel like as long as they are part of the team, to them, they are the physical manifestation of the process. So there's yeah. a certain amount of, yes, like the, the tanking part of it is gone, but the process, this was part of it. I, I firmly believe had Hinky stayed around that this was part of the plan, that had he stayed on course, eventually there was going to be a moment where it was, yeah, no, now we have the pieces in place. They're going to mature. We have to strike before that we have to pay them all these massive contracts. And now is the time. This is the time to get the pieces, whether it was through the draft or or, or, or go and make some trades. And, and this is also part of the process. It, the process isn't always an uphill climb. Eventually there was going to be a plateau where you have to try to compete. But essentially, the I mean, we could get into this debate whether the process is over or not, but the process is essentially over. If it's not, it's on its very last legs because to me the process was um, accumulate assets, cash in assets, you know, make a run for the title or create a, a, a consistently contending team. I'd, I'd like to believe that Elton Brand's not going to fall back on that old Sixer mindset of um, get a bunch of old veterans, pay them too much money, and have no draft assets to get young again. No, but that's the thing. It's like there's no more assets. The The bank is basically empty now at this point. Well, I mean, you got a Fultz, couple of picks. The Markel Fultz does you know, restock you a little bit. Yeah, but they're bad picks. Yeah, they're not great. That's, so it's a top, top 20 protected from Orlando that have pick and uh um like a second round all this stuff they're just not you may cash in with something interesting but i mean for all intents and purposes those are not coveted pieces but that was but that first round pick that okc pick could be shamit like that's a a player of that That, ilk yeah can come out of the draft that where that's not a crazy thing we're not great at that our track record on that is not super great yeah no we're not we're not great at that but the other brand is better maybe brand's better at it maybe he can maybe they do have figured out some scouting things the other the other thing i wanted to to say is what i i think was good was we came out of this last draft and a lot of people were kind of looking at this wait and see draft because we haven't really seen any of the capital that's coming out of the, this past draft. We still have a player yet to play that we took in the first round who right. I think really could, if he gets his act together, could very seriously help he, us in this team. His, he's playing this year. His skill set is kind of one of the things we're missing is he could be a lockdown defender on another team's guard, which he's we desperately need. Right now, he? he is, yeah. He's already – I don't know if he's playing yet, but he's he's – I may have to try and go down and see him because those tickets are only like 10 bucks. Uh, yeah, I'd do that with you. And then uh, the other thing I, I want to to mention was the other thing we got out of this draft was that Miami pick. And using that Miami pick right now I think was brilliant because if Miami ends up performing well, that that we are not going to be – I don't know that there was going to be any higher value for that pick than it was right now when it was – there. It, it could go either way. And and Orlando is taking a, a – a, or no, that went to L, uh, L.A. So the Clippers are kind of taking a risk on it, but 
Yeah, but that's the thing that we've always seen with this team over the last, well, since Colangelo took over it, it it's like waiting until the fruit is rotten before you try to decide to try and trade it. It's like, oh, we need to wait and see that Jolil Okafor is shit before we trade him. Right. When you he know, has zero wait, value. We'll, let's wait until we're in an impossible situation with Nerlens, Jaleel, and Embiid before we try to move uh, one of these big men. It's just we sit on this stuff too. It's like Dominic Brown. I mean, it's just what this city kind of does a lot of times because we're uh, so afraid to get bit in the ass. You know what I mean? We're so afraid yeah. to have that player come back and, and bite us. But sometimes in order to, to progress to the next level, you have to, you have but, to be willing to gamble. But more often, and we're going to talk about six though later, but more often than not, you're pretty much going to be good trading prospects. Like they're usually not going to turn into all stars. Right. I mean, they will. Some will, but the odds are forever in your favor trading prospects um, that won't become all stars. Yeah, and and when you trade prospects, you're you should be trading for a known quantity, and going, you know, this is what we need now. We know who this player is now, and we have something that might turn into somebody, but. We we can't bank on that. You know what you know? it's like. You know what it's like. You ever um, give out like Christmas cards and put scratch off tickets in them? Yeah. <laughs> and you're basically like, here's a here's a scratch off. Like, good luck. But every once in a while, someone hits for five hundred, and you're like, God damn, I had a five hundred dollars scratch off ticket in my hand, and I gave and it to this dude at work. Nothing. Yeah. I you gave, gave it, it away for Christmas spirit. Like, well, I like, gave it away to someone I sort of tangentially know because if you're like a good friend, I'll get you something legitimate, not a scratch off ticket. <laughs> no. So, so you send scratch off tickets to the Marlins, but like maybe you trade something good to the White Sox or the Astros? Uh well, I don't know that I'm good friends with any of those teams, but um <laughs> so we got Tobias Harris here, and this is like a big friggin' deal. It's a big deal, even though like if you're if you're a super casual basketball fan, he's probably not a household name in your house. Like my wife didn't know who Tobias Harris was. Yeah, I didn't know who Tobias Harris was. I had to do a quick Google search and, you know, a lot of smart people told me, hey, this is a really good pickup for the Sixers and early results are certainly showing it. And I read something today about you know, his role with this team going forward and how, you know, maybe he's not going to put up the same numbers that he did uh, in L.A., but, you know, with the Sixers, he's going to be a different sort of, you know, complementary role player uh, that can really, you know, contribute offensively as well. You know, is that, a, is that a fair assessment, guys? Yeah, I mean, he is a fringe all-star. Um like, you know, being on the East Coast, we watch a lot of, like, East teams. We only see the Clippers twice a year. And the other team he's, he's been on, um, and he's obviously having his best season this year. So, you know, if you only watch the Sixers, which is kind of like what I focus on, like I'm watching every Sixers game. I don't watch a lot of, like, random Clippers games or whatever. Um, but, yeah, he's definitely a player that, that could help. I mean, it is a big deal. The interesting thing about him as a player is if you, if you kind of look at his um... – his numbers that he's one of those players that is trending up all of his uh, analytical, you know, if you get into those, what they call, I guess, like the, those deep statistics, they, they all trend forward, but 
also the eye test is that he's also a really – he really plays the game very hard. He's kind of a, a gritty type of player, you know, not – the mascot was standing. And real uh, quick, real quick, once you said that, the first thing that popped in my head was man did like gritty the mascot forever like ruin that adjective. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, like he play he's a real gritty player. Like, oh, beloved and wacky? Like, no, no. <laughs> With a maniacal edge. <laughs> well, have, real quick, this is jumping ahead, but have you seen the promotion where gritty is for some reason holding a chainsaw? No. Nope. I think he's supposed to be doing like an ice sculpture, but it's like some game in March. It's like come out to like, you know, true fan night or fan of whatever, authentic like fan. authentic fan. Thank you. And there's Gritty holding a freaking chainsaw. Like, yeah. And I'm if you're not in. if you're not I'm nice, he'll in. murder you. <laughs> I, I'm I'm pretty sure that's the subtext. But um sorry, quick tangent there. Gritty player. No, but the the other thing I wanted to add is the the thing that it's been interesting most to watch in the last two games with with the new players, just the new players on the whole, because we could you know lots of people have broken down the individual pieces, but the thing that me who of the four sports basketball sometimes is the thing I I know the least about in terms of like watching things happen and being like oh I I know I recognize that system I you know my watching football I can kind of recognize the type of offense I've watched a lot of football in my life well, uh, baseball is baseball you know you 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 understand the difference between like a small ball team and a power hitting team uh hockey uh, you know I I can recognize the devil's old neutral zone trap you know <laughs> like that, but with basketball sometimes it just looks like a bunch of people running around but yeah. I can say that the last two games I've watched, and and maybe this is Brett's rotations, it's been really interesting to see what players he has paired together and and how much stronger I feel like the Sixers are and, and how with just a little bit of combina- you know, using these combinations, how much deeper the Sixers feel and how now they have a true backup center and how much difference that makes. Um, it's been really fun to watch them be able to keep really good players on the court, two and three scoring options the whole game. There's no running out five guys who are like, crap, the other team's about to go on a 12-0 run. Like, like that, because that was what it was. There was a point in like every Sixers game in the second quarter where you just knew the other team was going to go on like a 12 or 14-point or run because you knew that we weren't going to keep the defensive players out there. You know, everybody was going to need a rest. So uh, this is, I feel like, what we're going to see progress over the next 27 games or whatever. And uh, I think it's going to be fascinating to see. And, and there is also the point where you can have all five of those, what they're calling the Fantastic Five, I think is what we saw on Twitter, um, which I'm totally down with that nickname. That's great. Uh, you know, when you see them on the court together, when you get to a playoff series, you might see the, those guys all play 30 minutes a game. I, I would put them up against anybody, certainly in the Eastern Conference. There isn't another hey, team that could put. How shitty does uh, Feds look at this point? Feds. The the Fultz, Embiid, uh, Dario, Simmons. Oh, ugh. the Feds lineup. Yeah, no, that, Feds and Covington. Yeah, that does not look dominant to me. No, no, but yeah, I mean, just like watching this team, especially when the five are on the court, um, they, they go on some some runs where you're just like, whoo, man, they take your breath away, really. And, and they've the, only uh, been playing together for a week. Not even a week. Two, two games. games. Two games. The, the Nuggets game, it was like the whole court was opened up for JJ. Those dribble handoffs, 
I mean, he had open looks all night. Um, and he obviously scored a career high as a sixer. Um, and then today against the Lakers, I mean, they couldn't they couldn't run. I mean, Kuzma was hitting everything in the first quarter today. Yeah, he put up 25 points in the first quarter or something crazy. And, and they were still just like even. And you just knew. It, it was like I was not worried about that game at all. I, mean, I was getting pissed off because he was hitting everything. But I was not worried at all that we were going to lose that game because I just knew that there's no way the Lakers would be able to keep that pace up. And we were kind of just basically scoring at will. Right. Right. Well, that was that's the thing is now – I remember when the Sixers were bad, you know, they would hang with really good teams for two quarters. And then, you know, they'd go into halftime and be down four, six against some really good teams. Right. And then they'd come out in the fourth quarter and get blown out by 40. The Sixers are now the team that's blowing the other team out by 40. That's the thing with basketball. It's it's a game of runs. And if you can if you can continuously keep pressure on for the entire game, you are going to win a lot more games, especially in the regular season, than you're going to lose. The, th- the other thing, and th- I want to get your guys' take on this. This is something I was l- reading just before we came on. Um, one of the things that kind of blew up on social media today, specifically with the Lakers game, was did you see Ben Simmons' three-pointer? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, it was so close. And the the crowd kind <laughs> of gave him a big, a, big, a big cheer. It's got to be under 10 that he's had attempted maybe in career for three-point attempts. And I think this was his first attempt for the season. Maybe it's got to be less than five. But in Brett Brown's press conference, they asked him about it. And one of the things Brett was saying was uh, this is something that him and Ben talked about just within the last 24 hours that like, hey – and he even basically, which is one of the more candid things I've heard a coach say, was you could see how far off LeBron was playing him defensively. Teams are just going to say to Ben Simmons, if you want to shoot that, you can have it all day. You can have that shot all day and Wednesday. And the fact that now Ben is taking this mindset, well, like, well, if you're going to give this to me, I'm going to start putting it up. You're going to have to start respecting that. And that is, I think there's two things that that says that. I think that that's showing that Ben Simmons is starting to have more confidence in his own game and being able to evolve his game, which is awesome. And the other thing is he's confident that even if he misses or whatever, that he's got enough offense around him that they can make up a couple of, you know, attempts in a game that it, the margins are are not so so skinny that he can try some things here before the All Star game. And Brett Brown really said in the last third of the season he wants to evolve the offense and evolve Ben Ben's role. And he said, you know, we all remember in the Celtics series how much res- how little respect they paid to, to Ben's outside game. And he really wants to basically like put it on tape that that he's dangerous from all over the court. Or or, you, or could be dangerous from all over the did court. Did you hear the uh the Joel Embiid quote? I think it was last week. I forget what team it was in regards to, but um it it was basically disrespecting his outside game because they were playing so far off of him. And he said he said, I don't get I don't get disrespected. I do the disrespecting. Yeah. Yeah, that that seems like something that like like hell yeah, man. That gets me fired up. Joel should that. like have that tattooed across his chest. Like that's that's the kind of thing that I really, really the guy That's a quote to live by. Yeah. <laughs> He's maybe one of the best shit talkers in Philadelphia history. Like it's like him and Barkley, like are right up there. Like I, every chance he gets, he says he's the best defensive player in the game. Yeah. I love it. I love uh, that. Guy. That's I like right that. up that's right up there with like I'm the one who knocks. <laughs> like I'm the one who does the disrespecting. 
Yeah. <laughs> Can we get him one of those hats? Like those Walter White like like pork pie hats. I think that would work really well on Joel. Yeah, what 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 what's that one? Cuz they they brought it out for like Nick Foles this year. Like uh you 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 shouldn't fear anyone. You're the one that does. I don't know. Yeah, I'm the one that knocks. I'm the one like, that knocks. that's what it yeah, is. Yeah, you're somewhere in the door like and then I'm the one that knocks, you know. By you know, Philadelphia fan Brian Cranston. Yep. All right, so this Listener is a show, I think. So one of the quotes that I saw was or one of the tweets that I saw was that um uh, Danny Ainge is playing uh, a 100-year-long game of chess, and Elton Brand is playing Halo, and he just picked up the rocket launcher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I forget who tweeted that, but it was one of my favorite tweets that I saw. So this totally changed the landscape um, in the East, and everyone had to react. Um, so There was a lot of people that were saying, uh, you know, why did Philly do this early? Why didn't they wait? That, that Harris trade, they were bidding against themselves, and it was going to be there the following day. And I'll tell you, I think the reason Elton Brand did it is because he, by doing that trade when he did, he forced other teams that maybe were on the fringe of making a deal to act. And he didn't want to be reacting to the market. I feel like Elton Brand wanted to set the bar and set the pace and be like, we're the Sixers. This is our plan. We're going for it. And if you're going to keep up, you're going to have to make a move. You can't stand Pat in the East because we're coming. All right. So let's talk about the other three teams real quick. So Toronto Raptors, uh, their big their big counter move was getting uh, Marcus Gasol. Which would have right? been good like three years ago. Yeah. And he, he had a great start to the season, but he's been on a steady decline. And they traded uh, Valanciunas. Yeah. Who was he injured? I think he's been hurt, yeah. Yeah, and first off, that dude gives Embiid, like, he gives Embiid fits, Valanciunas. So yeah, I'm so I'm glad he's gone. He's, yeah, I'm I'm happy to see him go to the, where the Grizzlies? Um, Some and team I'll that's take irrelevant. Chances. Yeah, I'll take my chances with Gasol. Um, and this is kind of something I saw on Raptors Twitter about this, which may apply to us a little bit, and I kind of want to get your take on this. Have Have we lost too much of our soul for the sake of winning like Covington and Dario were the soul of the process. Right. Yeah. So have we, I mean, do you feel any sort of, because they're saying like with the loss of DeRozan and now Valanciunas, those are two guys that kind of grew up in the organization. So have we sold too much of our soul? I'll tell you the, the, the Covington yet? and Dario trade is a lot more gives you a lot more of that feeling than than like a lot of people were kind of lumping in the Markel Fultz thing. No, no, no. And I don't I I I agree. Um it's it, it was hard to see them both go at once. You know what I mean? Had had they kind of broken up and and gone over over time and and we would have had a little more time. All of a sudden like overnight losing Dario and and Cove kind of was jarring. And and a lot of people that are, you know, deep deep into the Sixers, when 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 Butler came in, there was certainly a mixed emotional, you know, we were happy to get Butler, you know, but there's that 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 baggage that comes with him. And you're giving up two of your favorite players to bring in something that's not necessarily a sure thing. So, I think you're right. I think there is a a certain amount of we feel like we had to pay pay the piper, but I just don't feel like Covington and Dario were going to in today's the way that the NBA works today. That those were not the guys that were going to get you that extra step. That you know maybe in a, in two years. But if you want to go now, you have got to go really big. You have got to go and get guys that are 
you know, you've got to build an all-star team because we've said on this podcast, if you were to take the Golden State Warriors starting five and put them up against any other five players in the NBA, the the Warriors might be favored. Which I got a lot of shit for for saying that, by the way. You're not wrong. Well, <laughs> um, all right, the Bucks got Miritich. I'm actually really scared of the Bucks right now. Well, and I actually thought that, that was Miritich was somebody that we might be interested in. Yeah, you know, freaking Ben Simmons, of course. I'm not so Bill Simmons, of course, shits all over the uh, the Sixers trade by saying that we should have just gotten Miritich and we would have been in, in better shape anyway. But you know, Bill Simmons, the guy who like fucking loves Markel Fultz until he doesn't get him anymore, and then he shit. You know, whatever. I don't know. Bill Simmons has really lost a lot of his relevance. But, like he, he's becoming a parody of himself. Let's talk about the Celtics for a second. We did nothing. Nothing. The only thing the Celtics have done is seemingly start to like cannibalize themselves emotionally. So you seen the Marcus <laughs> Morris comments? Oh, I devoured the Marcus Morris <laughs> comments. I, I enjoy the Celtics losing almost as much as I enjoy the Sixers winning. The Celtics losing giving up two 20 point leads back to back games and oh it's so great and to have it be Shamit to really drive the dagger in, in that last <laughs> yeah. one just oh god that felt good yeah but they were up by what 28 i think it was i think it was i think it was 24 at one point and then Kyrie got kind of hurt right Kyrie yeah. got hurt and yeah. went out and then they blew and they lost by double digits yeah i think they lost by 10 so then uh, Marcus Morris had and Shaman, I think, had like 19 points on <laughs> like seven yeah, shots. Game. It was insane. Game. And then the Lakers beat him on the last minute Rondo shot. Yeah. Which makes it even better that we ro- <laughs> yeah. we rolled the Lakers by what? 35 today. Uh, oh, my gosh. And we play the Celtics on Tuesday. I cannot fucking wait for that game. <laughs> I can't wait for the Penguins game tomorrow and then the Celtics game on Tuesday. God, it's a I'm big like week. in heaven right now. Yeah, it's Can a big we get week. the Eagles to play the Cowboys on Wednesday? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and then a Phillies Met series to close out the week. So Marcus yeah. Morris goes, he talks to the press and says, it's not fun to play for the Celtics. Uh, he looks around at other teams. Other teams are having fun. It's not like that here. They're miserable. They're miserable. And Kyrie's going to leave. Oh my god! It's so great. It's so good. The Knicks trade Porzingis. The Knicks trade Porzingis. The, my favorite thing with the Knicks right now is they pushed out their early um, uh, season ticket holder, I guess, marketing this week, and they have no pictures of people in the marketing of, that actually play for the Knicks. They, they don't have, have like a, a Durant <laughs> silhouette. No, they have like actually have Durant. They have Kevin Durant no. on their marketing, <laughs> basically saying, not subtly, you should re-up your 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 season tickets because we might maybe sign this player in the summer. Who knows? Well, hey, that's a gamble. If you're a, if you're an investor, um, you know you could you know, cash in on. You know, if they end up signing those guys and you have season tickets, you could you know do well in the resale market. Uh, but yeah, you trade when you trade a franchise player that you have under a rookie deal control for cap space you know you fucked it up but we we i mean and as dark as the days were in the sixers like they never were putting on their marketing other teams players like that that to <laughs> me sounds like desperation did they they didn't really put no i think they really did that's what i saw 
that sounds like an onion article <laughs> the, the onion has been you know really throwing <laughs> some shade the, this week but God. <laughs> i have to find um that. yeah I, I don't i don't know that we need to talk about the lakers but and the the whole anthony davis situation right because it doesn't really it doesn't really affect the sixers we right can't talk about anthony davis in the sixers rumor though what? Well, I don't. That, that's not real. I mean, we're not getting Anthony Davis, so I'm not even gonna. Would you? Would you do it though? Would you send Bre- no, Ben Simmons for Anthony Davis straight up? No, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it because you don't know how you don't know how Embiid and Anthony Davis are going to work together. I don't think Embiid wants that. I think I think we're good with just Embiid being the focus. Yeah, because then, like, what do you make? Like Embiid a stretch four? Like, what do you what do you do? Uh, but I do want to say like how. Look, I was the biggest bring LeBron to Philly guy out there. Um, I wanted him to come here more than anything. I'm so happy that he's not here. <laughs> he's he's basically fractured. Him and him and um, uh, Magic have basically screwed up the Lakers organization right oh, now. Oh yeah. For a while. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I'm just I, that's the only thing I wanted to say about the Lakers right now. It's just like you can have LeBron. Great. The only, the only thing, I mean, it would have been kind of a different situation because LeBron would have been coming in with Embiid and and Simmons, uh, which those are a much talent, more talented duo than what was in LA when he got there. But what we're seeing in LA is that if LeBron had come in and had a couple bad days, as much as he really does seem to really like Ben Simmons, um, if if LeBron had come in and you know Brett Brown would have been out of here. Uh, you know, who knows what else would you know he would want to screw screw around with? But yeah, no, the Lakers are a disaster. And 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 what's his name? Uh, what's his name's dad is back chirping again. Oh, uh, Ball. Yeah. <laughs> he wants like yeah, all doesn't he doesn't he want all three of his kids to play uh play for the Pelicans or something now? Oh, the Suns. Oh, for the Suns. Yeah. Uh, and and change the spelling to S O N S. <laughs> That's good, the Lavar Sons. Um, <laughs> all right, that's enough basketball talk. Hey, I think um, for me, uh, a Philadelphia Flyer has cracked the top five favorite Philadelphia athletes list. Like of all time, or like, like current? No, 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 like currently playing. I would say Carter Hart is in my top five favorite Philadelphia athletes right now. Did you not have a flyer in your top five before? No. Now? No. Were they were they all Eagles? Who, who are you putting in your top five? That's a that's a flyer. I think that the Did captain you... isn't a bad player. I think I would have had Giroux in my top five. Yes, I, I don't know. Chuck, who uh, would have been the flyer to have in the, in the top five before Carter Chuck's Hart? Got, like Provorov. <laughs> For uh, <laughs> Ruff is totally in my top Giroux, five. <laughs> no, uh, Giroux is the player to have before Hart. He he is, you know, if you're only gonna have one flyer in your, you know, Mount Rushmore plus one, apparently, um, Giroux would have been the one to have. But no, th- this is a love affair that has certainly paid off for you, Dave. <laughs> I know. I feel so like I don't know, vindicated. the vindicated against the voice of yeah he's gonna be a really great player just wait a bit and i was like no he's he'll be a great player now just put him (laughs) in and we split the difference and 
what do we have to show for it? Um, well, you'd oh. be in a playoff position right now if you listen to me. Uh, I disagree. <laughs> really? The Lightning would be like, damn. <laughs> no, they wouldn't. It's Maybe Carter Hart could have come in and started the year and looked like the season pro he looks like now, but everything we can tell about his time in the AHL and even his first few games in the NHL showed a development. He wasn't ready for the speed of the AHL. He he struggled down there, and then he it was got too his slow game. for him. It was too slow. <laughs> it was too slow. He's like that He's... kid that needs to go from kindergarten to fourth grade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. we were holding him back. Yep. Um. Well, I think that's revisionist history. We don't have it's. We just don't have enough information to say that Carter Hart starting this. Because oh, see, this is my favorite point. Because if Carter Hart started the season and was fantastic. Hackstall would still be coach. Hextall would still be GM. All the other moves that are happening would not be happening if this, you know, hypothetical okay. situation right. was around. Right. And in this hypothetical situation, you know, we bring up Carter Hart. He has two good games, and then Hack, you know, sends him to the press box to, you know, watch Brian Elliott. You know, so. <laughs> It, it's all right. We we can't go back and rewrite history. Let's just enjoy the present, and the present is awesome. Like it really is. It it's really fun. is. It really is. Ten one and one since our, uh, you know, lose for Hughes episode. <laughs> um, and going... I went. To, I, I will say I went to one of those ones this week. I went to the Kings game, and I will have to say the the arena was not filled with corpses there were actually people there that were into the game and they were cheering although there was a little disappointment that we got stolars not gonna lie yeah i wish i knew that you didn't know that stoli was starting that game because it was i, I know i was gonna look i was gonna look it up but then i was like oh, i'll only get disappointed Okay. If I it, it won't be him. So I'll just go and then be disappointed there if it happens. <laughs> but no, it's great to see the arena, you know, pumped up. It's great to see people wearing Flyers shirts. It's great to see, you know, casual conversation about the Flyers, not on the radio, but on Twitter. People are invested. It's on the local news. People are talking about Carter Hart. The whole league is talking about Carter Hart. Like, this is not just. You know, right. a Philadelphia story. This is an NHL-wide story. You know, Carter Hart's play. And... I mean, yeah, the dude is just – the dude is great. Like, yeah. every time I watch an interview with him, he just seems like a good a good kid. Like, you want to root for him. He's ordering rigatoni and chicken before every game. Uh, the, the whole story around the 79 number is great. Yeah. Like everything about it, you're just like, I just want this kid to succeed so much. It's awesome. and, and and I think before I had sort of couched my statements of, you know, like uh, he, he's great for a 20 year old. He's great for a rookie. We can just drop that. He is great. He is playing right now as one of the best goaltenders in the league. End of sentence. Can we no, just no- say, yo, Philly. You're allowed to be excited about the Flyers and Carter Hart. Like, just let don't hold back and be like, oh, you know, it's probably he's going to have a sophomore slump. You know, any of that stuff. Like, just be excited about it because he's the real fucking deal. 
Oh yeah, go oh, nuts. I'm dropping like so many f bombs that I'm all fired no, up. I think only two, and it was just because Gene like censored himself early in the show. He started <laughs> to say shit, and then like like made it stuff, and then like I think you're just overcompensating. But no, get fucking happy, get fucking excited. <laughs> like we have our franchise goalie. Yeah, there's going to be bad stretches. Yeah, there's going to be bad years. But the the goalie, like, check that off your list. We have a franchise goalie. And my God, how this team has turned around, you know, with somebody who can stop the puck. It's amazing. We we are back in the playoff hunt, like legitimately back. So is that a good thing? Are we – should I be – you know, I had kind of accepted that what I was going to be rooting for was – a draft pick, you know what I mean? I, I not not a, not a full out tank, but I, I certainly didn't want them to put themselves out of position to go for one of those those top guys in the draft. We had we'd really built that up, and then this this run has happened, and you know the math is starting to look good. Do I want to be uh, rooting for us to be a, a bottom seed to go in there? Because as we know with with hockey, all you really need to be dangerous is a hot goalie. And and we might have the hottest goalie if we were to make the playoffs, we might have the hottest goalie in the league. So and we get the kids some playoff experience at the very least. You know, is that worth sacrificing whatever we would have been able to get by getting a first one of the first two picks? You know, I'm I'm asking you, Chuck, because I feel like if there's anybody, I've been really thrilled. One of the the most ones I've had maybe all week was watching that first period against the Ducks. That was <laughs> that was a thing of beauty. You know, um, so. You know, should I be tempering my my excitement, or or you know, can I be all in on this playoff race? Oh, be all in, be all in. It's because we we weren't supposed to be in a position to tank. We weren't supposed to be in a position to to go for a high draft pick. This was supposed to be the year that we had enough pieces to take a step forward, and we have enough pieces. We have offensive talent. We have defensive talent. Like it's it's time, man. Let's go for it. Yeah, you know, I would I would much rather see this team, you know, make it to the playoff and playoffs and go out in the first round again, just fall shy of the playoffs and screw up our lottery chances for it to be, you know, the the future of the team playing well, playing together, and you know, really getting that experience. And competing. And if we make it to the playoffs, we will be one of the hottest teams. Not just the hottest goalie, but one of the hottest teams. And we've mentioned before in my undying love for him, but Ivan Provorov has looked like his old self since coming back from that that bye week. Ghost hasn't. Ghost is still struggling. But if you get Provorov playing well and Sanheim playing well and Gudis playing well, Heg being Heg, he's fine. Ghost struggling and we're bringing up Phil Myers and if Phil Myers can bring some of that magic he's had down in the AHL to the the big club can I not call him like Philippe Myers I think it's Philippe but I've heard people refer to him as Philip but it's got an extra P and an E at the end so I would assume it's Philippe that's very culturally sensitive of you um or you can call him Philly Myers. I'm like, how's that not his nickname? He's a defenseman, right? And, he's a uh, defenseman. He's got some crazy. Shot. He's got some crazy good numbers from the AHL. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but he's he's had a great year this year. Started off a little slow, um, and he was undrafted and a camp invite, and then we scooped him up, and he's been he's been pretty high in the the defensive uh, prospect list for a while. You know, people had higher expectations for him than Sanheim. Sanheim's looked really good this year, but you know if he can come up and and keep up that play. You know, we all of a sudden we have a even more potent defense than Chuck, we had who, before. Chuck, who currently holds the eight seed in the Eastern Conference playoffs? Um, the second wild card is the Pittsburgh Penguins. And who do we play tonight? We play the Pittsburgh Penguins. We are six points behind them. Oh, it's a four point swing. If we win, um, that that would be four points out of the playoffs. And then when's the uh, next time we play them? Huh? Then then when's the next time we would play them? Uh, February 23rd, outdoors at the link. Right. So now all of a sudden that game actually might have some real juice to it. Oh. People need to get out to these games and go crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If there's tickets available for tomorrow, go be loud. There are tickets available for the Stadium Series game, despite... Bite one of our very early penalty boxes. You can just ignore what I said in that. There are plenty of tickets available for the stadium series game. Let's go. Let's be loud. Let's be rowdy. It's oh man. It's time. We are six points behind the penguins. We play the penguins three more times. We win all three of those games. There's that six points made up. Provide we have the exact same record outside of it, but still it's tomorrow is going to be a huge game. I don't think it's confirmed that um, Hart's the starter by be floored if he wasn't. And I, I think oh, I am so excited for that game. And I want the Flyers to come out like their hair is on fire. I want them to, you know, come out, play strong. The The Kings game, I was expecting that letdown. Uh, it was like a trap game. We've been on that winning streak. They're a bad team. I love the way we came back against the Ducks. Well, and love the, the way before we, came we back I, the one Ducks. thing I wanted to say about the Kings game is the thing I really liked was we were outplayed the majority of that game, no doubt about it. But that last minute when we pulled the goaltender, that was a very composed professional performance than when they went six on five to get that tying goal. You know, you'll a lot of times, you know, I've seen a lot of teams that just can't get that. You know, very few teams are able to really maintain pressure when you've got that set up the way that the Flyers did in that situation. And they kept their act together, were composed, and got the goal. The whole reason why you that strategy has come into existence. So it was it was really refreshing to see it kind of work out and them to force it into overtime. Uh, speaking of the stadium series, a little uh, little fashioned uh, fashionedelphia. Uh, what do we think of the stadium series jerseys? They have grown on me slightly. I was not a fan. I was definitely not a fan before I saw the full uniform. Just the you know black on orange with no white contrast was really like it hurt my eyes. It was like a jarring combination that like I found visually unpleasant. Then when I saw the whole uniform. I eased up a bit. Now, <laughs> now it's getting some like, um, you know, uh, like Pavlovian connection to the Flyers winning. 
So they always cut to those jerseys like during these games and to see like the heart one or uh, the Giroux one or something out there. I'm just like, we're winning games. We're having a good time. And these are the jerseys that they show every break. So I, I've been growing an affection for them. I still don't like them. I still think they're fine for a one-off, but I, I don't want to see them hang around. Gene, do you have an opinion on the jerseys? I just wish that at least in the logo they had a little bit of white. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think they look good altogether, and I think they're really going to look good, you know, because we're going to be at the stadium series, and I think that that kind of scheme works for, you know, those sorts of vantage points being outside. So uh, I could not be more psyched for this, like, for going to that game. Uh, I'm really, really, really pumped to go. Uh, So, I don't know. I'm so tempted to go out and get one of those. It would be just like an, an like a total like I I'm gonna just spend money kind of thing, but um, yeah, no. I, the big question is like, what number would I get? I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, that's a tough that's a tough bite the two the two fifty for the jersey when you don't know if that that particular style is gonna stick around. But I really dig them. I think they're awesome. Like I don't know what it is about the the when I look at the white now. You know, I don't know. Maybe it, it feels a little old or something. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, well, you you've liked them from day one. What's that? I, I said you've liked them from day one. Like we've talked about this. You were a early fan of them. And then I think that point too of like maybe the current ones look a little old. You know, it's maybe time for a new But era. I like the third. I like the third jersey. I like um, their current third, the one that they were yeah. that Sunday jersey, that black with the big orange stripes and the huge numbers. I didn't when I that's the thing is when I when I saw those just on a rack, it, like they didn't really do anything for me. But the first time I saw them in a game, I was like, "Gosh, they look really sharp." I like how the name on the back is like an orange panel. Yeah, I, I would be much more apt, I think, maybe to grab one of those right now because I love that jersey. Yeah, but good luck finding a Carter Hart one. Yeah, forget about that. <laughs> I could probably get a Dwayne Simmons one, though. You probably could. Yeah, in a couple weeks, you can probably get it on yeah. discount. Yeah. One more thing before we move off the Flyers, because this bugs me every every time I watch a post-game show. What does Scott Gordon have to do to be able to keep this job, Chuck? Is there any way that Scott Gordon is the, the coach of the Flyers next year, short of winning a Stanley Cup? Uh, Make it to the playoffs. Uh, make it to the playoffs, and... And have Quenneville like say, "I don't want to do this anymore." Kind of, yeah. I, um, I, I think, I think they want to bring in a big name, but if we make it to the playoffs, if this style of play continues, I, I think he'll have won the job. It's it's tough to say though. It would when you have Joel Quenneville on the market, you know, winner of three Stanley Cups, of so much success, it's really tempting, and. Bruce, Bruce Boudreaux is probably going to be on the market too if the Wild don't make the playoffs or if they're one and done. Like, I'd love to see him too. Yeah. Yeah, and I'd love to see him behind the bench. I think I think it's going to be a few intangibles, but if they make the playoffs, certainly if they win a round, I think he keeps his job, but it's it's tough and it's a shame cuz I think he's doing a really good job. I was going to say I think he's doing a really good job. It, is he could we say that he's the best i mean because they throw up that before every every time he speaks on television they throw up that interim tag is he the best interim coach in philadelphia sports history can you think of a better 
seat warming coach. You know, I can think of a couple of times we've had Phillies interim managers and they've just been basically running out the string. But I mean, this is a coach that's an interim coach, came in the middle of the season and is in a real position to 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 take a team to to the playoffs and maybe make a run. Yeah, he might be the best one. Can't think of anyone else off the top yeah, of my thank head. Thank God, I mean, it's not going to be Pete Cannon, but. Yeah. Uh, Chuck, uh, last Flyers point real quick. Carter Hart forcing his way into the Rookie of the Year conversation. He's already in it. He is already in it. I think he would have to just fall off a cliff not to get the nomination. It's still going to be hard to win. Like If he continues this level of play and the Flyers make the playoffs, he, he has a real chance of winning it, but uh, Ilyash... Peterson or Peterson, like the the guy himself seems to pronounce it Peterson, but everyone else calls him Peterson. Uh, it really does tend to be the the heavy favorite. But I think if this level of play continues and the Flyers make the playoffs, he has a legitimate shot. I think he's already he he'd have to lose a nomination now. I think he's already on people's shortlist for the nomination. And just briefly talk about the week ahead. We got Penguins today. Tomorrow, Wild, uh, who've been struggling. So that's a winnable game. And then two against Detroit. If we can win this Penguins game, win the Wild game, which is definitely doable and like something they, they should be really hyped up to do, we could win four more. Like It's not out of the question. Maybe we cough up a point in one of those Detroit games just like we did against uh, the Kings. But, I mean, this can be another stellar week for the Flyers. Nice, nice, nice. Um, hey, guys, we don't have a fake Mudo. We got a, <laughs> a real Mudo. Phillies. Phillies make a trade. And we got the best catcher in baseball. Woohoo! Now, I've heard that moniker thrown around a lot since we've picked him up. And I knew the name, I knew the player, I knew when he came in with the Marlins, you know, it was a good player. I don't think I I had him as the best catcher in baseball before the trade rumbling started. Is that just because he plays for the Marlins and I tend to ignore the Marlins? Yes. Okay. <laughs> he's It's because he's on a bad team and uh, he plays in a bad hitter's park. So... Mm-hmm. Generally, no Marlin is heralded as a uh, a great hitter since they moved to that stadium outside of um, Mike Stanton. Uh, Mike Stanton, yeah, who now plays in uh, in New York. Yeah, Giancarlo. Giancarlo Stanton. <laughs> I call him Mike Stanton. <laughs> when did that go? Uh, yeah. So, and we gave up our top prospect, Sixto Sanchez. So here's my question, Dave. What do you think that says about how the Phillies organization perceives Sixto? Would, because the last time we had any kind of real serious talks about this prospect, it was in relationship to trading him for Manny Machado for this past season. To have, you know, that's what... And they didn't want to do it. That's what the Baltimore Orioles wanted, and they wouldn't pull the trigger. Was that because it was a rental situation? Or... Do you think that something happened since July that has turned the front office's opinion around on um, on Sixto? 
Because he was basically, you know, in, in the realm of untouchable. And, and I always hear that he is basically compared to, this is going to be the next Pedro Martinez. So this guy has excellent command over five pitches. Right. Um, but he's coming off an injury. He has never thrown 100 innings. And he's uh, under six foot. Which, unless you're Pedro, um, that doesn't bode well for right-handed pitchers. Supposedly. Supposedly. Um, I just think that it's not worth the risk. Like he, he, six, those a risk. He's not. He's not a sure thing by any stretch. I mean, he hasn't faced major league hitting yet. You just don't know. And if he's coming off of an injury, an arm injury too, right? Yeah, I mean, you don't. You don't know. You don't know what you're going to get. And I mean, with with Real Muto, you know what you're going to get. And it's taking you from having the 29th best catcher in the league to the first. The interesting thing is a lot of people are like, well, you know, you gave up, you know, you've sold the farm. Uh, Real Muto is not some old player. You haven't sold the farm if you're bringing in a player that, granted, he's got two years on his deal, but if they re-sign him, he could be your franchise catcher for eight years, you know? that. Also, what farm did you sell? I mean, you did sell your number one prospect, but... By no means a, a a known commodity, and you've gotten rid of Alfaro, which I mean, like I liked Alfaro. I I thought he was part of that like core group that we were going to see come up, and he has a great arm. I mean, amazing gun. But as far as defensive catchers go, he's just not there. He doesn't call a great game. He's defensive liability, and you know he has to run into one um, to do anything at the plate. So I mean, like I'm not going to miss Jorge Alfaro. Yeah, he's not a good hitter for average by any stretch of the imagination. He had a little every, pop. Yeah, but... every time last season Alfaro played, I was like, why can't we see Ramos play some more? Right. Yeah. Yeah, we we have that conversation a lot. Like, and again, yep, Alfaro was fine. I mean, you know, I didn't hate him, but this is really building something. I mean, the the Phillies lineup this season is going to be, you know, Harper Machado or not. It's going to be a lot more potent than last year, and it's going to be, you know, a lot more fun. Should you know help take us from a team that petered out in August to one that's, you know, really competing for the top of the division, like you know, substantially competing, and you know, if not top of the division, the wild card. But you know, I have a lot more faith in this Phillies lineup than I did a week ago. I mean, Markel, uh, uh, Markel, Michael Frank. I'm um, on, Markel. Michael, <laughs> Michael Franco could be your seven hole, you know. Or depending on if you, we bring in another bat, you know, maybe Franco is your eight hitter, which I think that is a great thing to have. Yeah. If, if yeah. I love the idea of Franco as my eight hitter, like I'll take that all all year. Yeah, I mean, barring some sort of Musakis um, acquisition, which is he still. I don't know what his story is. Yeah, no but yeah, I mean, barring yeah anything with you know involving Harchado, um, which by the way, I'm going total shipping name. They're the same person now until they decide to separate themselves from one another. <laughs> um, bar, barring any sort of Harchado acquisition, I'm already excited about the Phillies. I mean, we've improved the bullpen. We've improved the lineup. We've improved defensively. The only area where we didn't do anything yet is with the starting pitching. Um, and I don't know how heavily we want to rely on the likes of Jared Eichoff or Nick Pavetta or any of these kind of 
um, Zach Eflin. I, I just don't know how how much we can rely on them to do the same thing they did last year, at least through the first six you know six months of the season. Or whatever. Yeah, and I'm interested to see Eichhoff come back. You know, yeah. it, it's I liked them two seasons ago, and then did he pitch at all last year? Like was he out the entire year? No, he did pitch a little, but it was it was in in fits and spurts. He, he didn't have any yeah. real long stretches. It, it felt like he missed a lot more time than he was in. But I, I think he I did. I don't remember at all, to be honest. Yeah, I, th- I think he did have a little stretch in like in May. Yeah, I, I mean, and I liked him two years ago, but then again, my standards were a lot lower two years ago. <laughs> so it might be like, no, this guy's the real deal, and now it, he could be useless but i'm interested to see him come back yeah i mean to be quite honest if harchado doesn't want to play here then i don't want them to be here yeah i mean what's the point like you know if you're that against coming to philly that then just don't you know i mean it is what it is so i'm not gonna be of course i'm gonna boo the crap out of both of them anytime they come to the stadium if they don't sign here but which won't um, be a change for me with Harper, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> and we started a bit with Machado, too. So <laughs> We showed him a whole lot of love when he was here that last series with the, with the, um, with the Orioles, you know, to kind of, yeah. like, prove, like, we can get behind you. And then he came back as a dodge, and it was like, ugh. Well, first off, Bryce Harper, you never won a playoff series. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not sweating it. Are we just are we just talking ourselves out of him now? Is that what we're doing? Is yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Don't stop. <laughs> so I mean, here's the thing. Though. Now I'm gonna be mad if we do sign them. To be honest with you, <laughs> I paid for this. De- they are not deserving of our life, of our love. We can do better. The moment they take us back, it'd be like, oh my god, Bryce, I'm so sorry. Listen, Clintac, go get me Dallas Keuchel and let's go to war. Like I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. So if there was no such thing as, as as Manny Machado or Bryce Harper and and the two of them in some fictional universe, uh you know, some alternate world, they don't exist. Would this have been the exact offseason you would hope for? You know, there those two things are not an option. They're both under some huge contract for, you know, Japanese teams. Um would this have been the 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 off season you had wanted from the Phillies coming out of this? Would you have wanted to get a you know get a get an all star catcher, uh, a a real big upgrade in the bullpen, and uh, a couple of veterans to to fill out the lineup? Yeah, I mean, I didn't honestly, I didn't think that there was a real chance on the Real Muto uh, situation. I like I thought that ship sailed uh, pretty early on, but I, like I'm over the moon with that. Um, you know, the, the Segura, the McCutcheon, the Robertson. I mean, I'm good with all that stuff. Like I'm, like I said, I'm excited for the season already with just what we've done. Yeah. I'm very happy with this off season and, you know, your example, Gene of, you know, no Harchado available, then yeah, I'd be thrilled. What, what more would you want? I mean, well, maybe another starting arm, but, but realistically, what more would you want? If they never said anything, if they never said anything about stupid money or, you know, we're building up to this off season, if they never said anything about that, I would really, I already am. So, you know, there's the disappointment factor with losing out on Harchado is whatever it is, what it is. 
And wow, we're going really long on this episode. <laughs> but that's all I really had. On the on... only other thing I wanted to add to the real Muto thing, and this is just from doing some reading today. The the if if there wasn't anything else to really sweeten that pot for you, if you weren't really excited about it, the team that we beat most, who was most all in on on that player, other than us, do you know who it was? Mets. Weren't they until they got Ramos? I heard it was the Atlanta Braves. Really? That the the Atlanta Braves were had put together a package that they felt was pretty stellar, and that the Phillies well, basically came along. Maybe that's what tipped the six zero scale. It's possible, but it, to me, if that's true, and we snaked them away from the Braves, uh, that makes me even happier. For, for sure, for sure. Well. Uh, Let's go to Chuck's penalty box. Great transition as always, Dave. <laughs> One of the best in the business. So I'm going to throw it right back to you. Dave, who is in your penalty box this week? All right, I'm putting Magic Johnson in the penalty box. Nice. Uh, I think he's totally screwing up this whole situation with the Lakers. Um he basically brought LeBron in there and now they're sort of like this defunct organization. That's, I don't know, really just screwing up the situation. Ultimately I'm putting in, I'm putting him in the penalty box because I cannot stand watching magic Johnson laugh uh, when he's involved with a team that's beating us. So one, I don't know what the deal was with him and the Lakers today. I guess he had to come out to talk to them about, you know, guys, don't be so dysfunctional. Actually play together as a team, and please don't hate our star player, LeBron James, when you leave him sitting there on the bench with no one sitting around him for an entire game. And he, he's over there just smiling and laughing because everything's great for Magic freaking Johnson and the Dodgers. And, and we got, you know, Manny Machado out from under the Phillies last year, and I'm just going to laugh all the way to the pennant. Uh, so I'm just tired of Magic Johnson. So Magic Johnson's going in my penalty box. All right. Magic Johnson proving to be as ineffective an owner as he was a talk show host. Magic, you're getting a double minor for screwing up the Lakers and the Dodgers. Gene, who is in your penalty box? Just to add on to the Magic Johnson thing, it was also annoying today that he came out and was like, yeah, if everybody agrees with the Sixers and the Lakers and the league and we can have Ben Simmons come out and give me some tips about how to play uh, guard uh, big men as guards, I'd really like that if we can make that work. That's such an annoying thing to say because now what that puts like Adam Silver on notice, like uh, you've got to be... Be the be the bro and let Ben Simmons come out and give uh give Magic Johnson tips on how to play his lineup. That's so annoying. So, uh, here's who's actually in my penalty box. Who the people in my penalty box are the new uh, are the uh, former New York baseball Giants, the San Francisco Giants, for coming along into this stupid horchado uh, mix, specifically coming after Bryce Harper Harper with this with this nonsense of like short term deal because if Bryce Harper signs like a two year ninety million dollar deal and all of this is just gonna recycle itself in two years, I'm gonna be really fed up and Giants be realistic you aren't gonna compete next year so stay away from this already semi crowded uh stew that we've got cooking here the the big boys with big contracts in the phillies and the white Sox and uh and the nationals we're, we're already here and we don't need to hear from you uh two-year two-time and 
bros. Like, just stay over there in, in San Francisco, listen to your Grateful Dead music, and, and be a sub-500 team next year. I like how Gene called him a horchata. Like, yes. He's out for the money. <laughs> I, I like that too. Horchata is this like emphasis on whore. But for the San Francisco Giants, um, quit uh, fogging up the baseball offseason. You're going to get a 10 minute game misconduct for offering false hope of labor peace. Chuck, who's in your penalty box? Well, thank you, Dave. I was waiting for you to ask. And (laughs) in my penalty box is a gentleman by the name of Jordan Hall. Jordan Hall is a writer for uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia. He he covers the Flyers. I don't know if he covers other teams, but I've seen him you know, do a game recap here or there. But um, a, over a week ago on February 1st, he posted a article ranking all of the Flyers third jerseys. And it was in the wake of the stadium series jersey coming out. And like this article is 100% my cup of tea. I'm looking forward to it. And I open it up and I just see some bullshit going on <laughs> first. Uh, and it it starts off and they you know are missing a third jersey they're missing the current home jersey that is started life as a third jersey so that was a notable omission um second they had the orange ones with a 3d crest ranked as number four of all time like that, you know, orange alternate. That's that's the absolute pits. That thing should be forgotten. Um, number two, I can get on board with. It was the uh, Winter Classic jerseys that I really love. I think that was a, a really sharp look. Is that the one with the lace up in the the like the mm-hmm. front under the collar or whatever? Yeah, in the, the, the Keystone patch. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I love that one. I I have a Juru one of that. And would you guys care to guess what the number one alternate jersey is in Flyers history? Is it the '90s black one? Yeah, it's the all-black one, right? That's a good guess. It's a good guess. That would be my vote. It is not. It is the white jersey from 1967. Now, wait a second. You're going to go. That's not a third jersey. Third jerseys wouldn't be a thing for like 30 more years, (laughs) and you'd be correct. (laughs) Because it's not a third jersey. The first one is the original. This is an exception. This jersey wasn't an alternate, but one of the originals. It has to be number one because it's the basis for all the franchise sweaters that followed. That's, That's ridiculous. Not the article. It invalidates the whole list. It invalidates the whole list. <laughs> and remember that first point I said that they left off the current homes? That they started life as an alternate? Why the fuck wouldn't you use that as number one? <laughs> It's just the inverse. Hell, the current whites were a stadium, uh, a, a winter classic jersey. They were never a third. You could have used those. Nope. You went off the board and picked the original jersey, something that doesn't even classify, and ranked it as number one. So, Jordan Hall, you wasted all of our time. You wasted a good premise. You, you are in the penalty box. You're getting the gate 10 minutes and then a game, and you're going to have an in-person hearing. 
I love that penalty box because that basically embodies everything that about the penalty box because it's just <laughs> like some fucking minute shit that just bothers me. <laughs> uh all right everybody uh that's been our show for today uh please remember to subscribe rate and review the show on itunes uh also follow us on facebook twitter and instagram just search for at potadelphia um also if you're looking for any additional podcasts to listen to check out our sister show the whip around uh i believe this week we're going to be listening to the death nut challenge Ooh. Yeah, I hear it gets kind of crazy. So I'm gonna be checking that one out. I know, I know, I know. I'm pumped for that one. I'm pumped for that one. Um, if there's nothing else, guys, uh, that's it for for this week. We're gonna see you back here next Monday. Have a great day at work, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>